from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. It's Tuesday afternoon and I'm exhausted already. Mm-hmm. Not really. Don't get exhausted. But it does feel like it's week is long. I will say, after what a day yesterday and Sunday, woke up today, didn't want to look at the phone. Nothing happened. But believe me, I checked. Yeah. How's everybody doing a day later? Jaguars still tanking. Now the storyline <laughs> is nationally the worst franchise in professional sports, perhaps. Mm. Well, let's just say this. I don't think that's probably true in terms of the worst but I will say the fact that it's even raised and brought into the conversation is problematic. Would you put them top five worse? I don't know. I have to go through. you got to remember now, it's been a long time for a lot of different organizations to get to where they got in 17. I mean, everybody just bypasses that. The Cowboys have won, like, what, two playoff games or one playoff game yeah. in the last 20 years or something like that? I mean, in year in, year out, they're better. But, I mean, you, you just you can't dismiss what they did in 17 when you talk about things like this and there are a lot of teams that haven't had even that inkling of success and by the way that is an inkling because it was just one year in the last 12 mm-hmm. uh, so uh, i don't want to also over dramatize it. it doesn't cover everything up but it did just happen uh, so uh, i mean they were 10 minutes from a super bowl um I think there are a lot of teams that haven't even sniffed that kind of su- success around sports uh, but again the fact that it's raised fair point to raise it uh and especially what's gone on from a dramatic fashion with Jalen Ramsey Yannick Ngakwe it is interesting that the Leonard Fournette move from a national level put the Jags on everybody's radar it wasn't the Ngakwe trade I mean there's been stories about it in the football world whether it's football talk or whatever Ramsey put everybody on notice a little bit in terms of the Jags because he was a national name Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden waving Fournette a guy that got overdrafted in many's opinion, now all of a sudden leads to these storylines about the Jacksonville Jaguars' ineptness uh, and at least catches the attention of the national folks. Yeah. I think that's what's interesting to me. I mean, we've been talking about the ineptitude and, and the, the abil- inability to consistently win, and the Jaguars have been a little bit of a uh, punchline for that along with the Browns and other teams for a long time. But now all of a sudden there's this wave of, oh, they just let Fournette go? Well, look at what else has happened. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing that Fournette kind of triggered that, but it also shows you, I think, Fournette's name, recognition, and everything else. Well, I mean, he is the name, right? Like, even with Yannick Ngakwe, you know, he's 25 years old, playing a premier position, a lot of intrigue there. Yeah, I get that. But on, on the household name basis... How many people worldwide knew, knew who Yannick Ngakwe was? Probably not that many. People know who Fournette was, is because obviously of fantasy football and the position that he plays. And, uh, you know, as he was taken in the first round, third pick overall. So people had a really great idea of what Fournette was. Cause I say was now cause he's not part of the Jaguars anymore. And I think the fact that you got nothing for him and it's just, it's announced in the airwaves. It's put out there for everyone to see where you just released him. That rubs people the wrong way, right? It's like, whoa. Because people, I mean, and not people that are in Jack, I'm talking about the national media, sees that and it's like, you couldn't have got anything for him? And I'll be honest with you, I'm like that too. So I share that national opinion where it's like, you couldn't have got anything for Leonard Fournette. Not one thing for Leonard Fournette. You had to get him out of here right now. 
you had to just release him. So I think with that being said, it's more of the shocker. Um, it's more of the shock value, if you will. And obviously, we write in the headlines. That's the one to write about. Well, and again, I, I bring up something that I talked a lot about yesterday during the show, but also after the show. And I, I talked to a lot of folks and in, in about just what's going on. And it's really difficult in our position and place as we're trying to illustrate the story and even difficult maybe in Doug Marone's and others to illustrate the story without specific incidents of what else is going on beneath the surface mm-hmm. of with Leonard Fournette. Uh, so that becomes a very tricky part in this. Doug Marone chose not to throw him under the bus necessarily in his press conference, although he did say the fact that he said we couldn't get a fifth, a sixth, or a seventh said a lot. That That is about as much as a coach will throw a player under the bus. Mm. I mean, he wasn't holding back on that front. He didn't have to offer that up. He actually did offer that up. And the more and more I thought about that throughout the night, I was like, that was a pretty, that was a dig at Leonard. You know, and we mentioned that on the show. I mean, did they stick it to Leonard a little bit? Well, that soundbite stuck it to Leonard a little mm-hmm. bit to say, hey, we tried to get something for him, but nobody would even offer anything for him. So that was as close as they've come, but they still haven't necessarily said, or nobody will say, well, yeah, uh, you know, in that meeting back on August 12th, he punched a teammate or, you know, I mean, there isn't that story out of Jags headquarters of that. Mm-hmm. It's it's more the totality, the accumulation of little things here and there over the course of time. And by the way, it is important to note that the coaching staff has been through all that these last four years. They've been with Leonard since day one, from Doug Marone to others. Now, not every member of the staff, but a lot of the members of the staff have been with Doug Marone since day one. And that starts to pile up sometimes. You know, we've talked about it with coaches before. You know, Jim Harbaugh, in San Francisco, goes to a Super Bowl, does a good job. But you know what else? He's a pain in the butt in the building. And so after a while, it starts to build and build. And it's like, man, I've kind of had enough of Jim. He's pretty good, but I've kind of had enough of Jim. And then they open the door by going 5 and 11 one year, and they're like, boom, see you, Jim. Okay. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Sure. And so you almost, that's the best way I can kind of feel or equate to Leonard, where it's like, it was enough. It was enough. And was how much is he going to help us? Uh, can we save a few million in guarantees? Can we? Do we want all these guys in the building that are all in team only? That's the only thing I can gauge. But you don't have this one instance, two instances where it's like, oh, it really turned. I had somebody reach out well, again today, and they're like, hey, so what was it? He had to do something. He had to, uh, you know, it, there must be a, something going on with. He got in trouble outside of the facility. He mm-hmm. did something to a teammate. He did. But I'm telling I don't at least I don't believe there is that incident that actually pivoted the Jags in the last week to say, we got to get him out of here. We're cutting him. Yeah, I just think it's a, an accumulation of things. And uh, again, they've had enough. They've had enough of the Ramsey's, Telvin Smith's and, and whatever Fournette gave. And I think he was mild compared to some of the stuff those other guys had yeah. on a day to day basis. But they'd had enough. I mean, that's the only thing I can come well, up with and, and the only thing that adds up in this situation. It's not football-related. I mean, we know that. Sure. It's not performance on the field. He's the most productive player, and he's your, one of your better offensive players. Here's what I've had enough of, though, Brent. And we, you and I both know this isn't football-related. There's something more to this, at least. Yeah. I mean, it, the, pretty much writing's on the wall. But here's what I've had enough of, then. I've had enough of a front office and an organization 
who constantly pile on the bad optics for themselves. What do you gain right now by trying to, quote-unquote, protect Leonard Fournette then? Then you're doing Leonard Fournette a favor by saying, you know what, it was a scheme thing, he's been nothing but great to us, we just just want to let him go, it's a scheme thing. What what are you doing by not telling the truth then? If it really is a truth, maybe he didn't get along with some teammates, maybe there were some discrepancies in the locker room, maybe him and the coach were not. Why not just say then, he wasn't a part of the culture that you envision going forward. Why not say something like that? Because all we have to go off of right now is what you told us. And what you told us at the press conference was he doesn't fit the scheme. So when I hear that, when the national media hears that, we all know it's BS. So what favor are you doing, Leonard Fournette, by trying to protect him? Well, it's a good call. I, I do. I said that yesterday during the show. I wish they would have just been, can you just be a little bit more forthcoming and transparent to say, listen, Maybe it was a little bit of us and the way we've changed things and done things. Maybe it's a little bit of Leonard, but Mm. it just wasn't a good fit. It just hasn't meshed. He's a good football player, Uh, and and we think it's better if he has a fresh start somewhere else, and it's better for us if we have a, a fresh start. I don't understand why you can't say that either. I said it yesterday on the show, but there is something about this business, I do think, that you try to take the high road, Uh, and we just saw it with two players, by the way. In the last two days for the Jags, Yannick Ngakwe took the high road. He didn't take a parting shot as he left. And Leonard Fournette took the high road in his statement instead of blaming the organization or saying they handled it poorly, all this stuff. I think that's the way the organization wants to handle things, too. That's looked at as the high road, the classy way to do it, not throw a player under the bus. I mean, that's I think most organizations in sports try to do that. How many how many times? I mean, even when Terrell Owens left. When Antonio Brown left, did Mike Tomlin take a shot at him when he left? Come on, man. That's not the same thing because the writing was on the wall well, with those. I, I get but, it. I'm, just trying to, I'm thinking of the extreme situations where yeah, everybody but, knew but it. But let's be honest. Exactly. Because Antonio Brown sabotaged himself. When yeah. Antonio Brown tweeted about Ben Roethlisberger, tweeted about the GM, tweeted about Juju Smith-Schuster, the writing was on the wall. It wasn't going to work out. Like, yeah. he, he made that abundantly clear. Same thing with Terrell Owens. Whether it was the, the, the interviews, whether it was what he had to say in the comments, People knew that Terrell Owens, that locker room, there was a rift. I didn't get that sense with Leonard Fournette in that locker room, okay? Now, you hear rumblings and things like that, but I didn't get that sense. And, and once again, sure, you can be like Leonard Fournette. You can be like Yannick Ngakwe and take the high road like players do sometimes. But guess what? Right now, I'm not criticizing Leonard Fournette. Right now, the national media is not criticizing uh, Yannick Ngakwe. They're criticizing the Jacksonville Jaguars. So where is taking the high road got you right now? I take the high road. We just you don't gotta bring a player down. Just say it was a cultural difference, or maybe we envisioned something going forward. Whatever the reason was, you could have came up with a better excuse if that's truly what you believe in, as opposed to he doesn't fit our scheme. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't have minded a better excuse. Uh, I think there's a way to handle it without actually blowing up Leonard Fournette. Uh, because listen, the bottom line is, people around the league know what's been going on. It's a small circle. Mm. They know if. I mean, there's no doubt if somebody thinks Leonard's a pain in the butt to coach, there's a coach out there in Jacksonville that at the Combine over the last couple of years has said he's a pain in the butt. I mean, he's a good player, but he's a pain in the butt. Sure. Oh, my gosh, he's such a headache. Uh, you know, I mean, that happens. That happens in every business, and people talk. And so that's out there along the way. And that's maybe one of the reasons why Jags didn't get anything in return, because somebody knew they'd pick him up on the cheap sooner or later. To get your point across even more, mm. that this was not football-related only, mm. And very, I don't even think it was football related. Okay, mm-hmm. Greg Allman uh, works for uh, he works in Tampa. Uh, oh shoot, now I just uh, lost it. 
I just want to make sure. It actually works for the Athletic. I think he used to be uh, Tampa Bay Times. Works for the Athletic covering the Bucks. Okay. He just says this. Two NFL running backs from 2017 to 19. A, 2,600 yards, 4.0 average, 1,009 yards receiving and 19 touchdowns. Running back B, 2,900 rush yards, 4.2 average, 870 reception yards, and 21 touchdowns. One just got a four-year, $48 million extension. The other just got waived rather than being paid $4 million in 2020. Hmm. We're talking about Joe Mixon, who just got a new deal. Yeah. And we're talking about Leonard, Leonard Fournette. Fournette. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's not football-related in the Leonard deal. Yes. And so, I, you know, I think people will be like, well, Doug Marone lied. I think we called Doug on that yesterday. I just don't know. I, I'm not willing to sit here and say he should have thrown Leonard under the bus. You know, I wish but, he could have shared more, yeah. maybe said a little something else. Tried not to say, yeah, we want to go forward with our best players. Okay, stop the car uh, because there's a separate thing in there. And I remember saying it yesterday. Best players and best for the team is what he said in one sentence. And those are two separate things. What they, he should have basically said is we're doing what's best for the team. We think this is best for the team. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and but as soon as you bring in best players, well, then Leonard belongs in the conversation. So let me ask you this question. Who made this decision? Shad Khan, Doug Marone, Dave Caldwell or Gruden? I think Marone. You think Marone made it? I think Doug Marone made the decision. Hmm. That's my opinion. Yeah. I think again, man, he's been with him. Listen, Caldwell, whether even if he didn't like the pick. Right. There's there's talk out there. He didn't like the pick. It was Tom Coughlin's pick. He would have never picked in the top five a, a running yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, if you're going to sit there and throw to me, well, Dave Caldwell really wanted Patrick Mahomes that year. I call BS. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. He was a Bortles guy. He drafted Bortles. And I'm not buying in hindsight that he wanted Watson or Mahomes instead of Fournette. I will buy because I think I know Caldwell pretty well, that I don't think he is a big top-five running back guy mm-hmm. in the NFL draft. Which a lot of GMs and aren't. Most aren't. Yeah. So I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. But So if you want to sell me on, hey, Dave Caldwell got rid of him because he couldn't wait to get rid of him because he didn't like the pick of him in the top five, I don't buy that as much either. Dave Caldwell doesn't have to go day-to-day with Leonard Fournette. Doug Marone is a day-to-day dealing with Leonard Fournette, and his other coaches are, and coaches come back to him, and players come to him, and so he's the centerpiece of that. Shad Khan, I don't think, has anything to do with whether Leonard Fournette's back, unless he said, I want to save $4 million in guarantees, and if we get out from under this deal, uh, unless we lose a grievance, we don't have to pay him those guarantees. He could have come in from a cash perspective standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think this was all Marone. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say Marone, I think it was coaching staff related in Marone. Uh I think it's simple. I, th- I don't think it's. I think it's clear as day. This was Doug Marone saying, "You know what?" To our conversation yesterday, if I'm going to die on the sword this year, I'm sure as heck not going to put up with the crap that I've put up with for three years. I'm going to do it my way with the guys that I want. Hmm. And if we're going to lose twelve games, I'd rather lose twelve games with these guys. Yeah. I, I mean, I do. I, you asked me the question. I think no, it was Marone. Not, do you listen, think it was Marone, or you think somebody else? Um. I do think it was Marone. I think if you look at Gruden, like, listen, if you're interviewing Gruden and you share your roster, you think Gruden was like, well, we have to get rid of Leonard Fournette. Like, don't you think that would be taken care of then a lot earlier? I mean, I just, I can't foresee Gruden in a job interview saying, you know what, my offense, I like what we got here, but let's get rid of Leonard Fournette. 
doesn't fit this scheme. Like, I, I have a hard time believing that. It, yeah. it, it's my philosophy that, and once again, and what I've been praising Gruden since the day they signed him, he does a great job of taking what he has on his personnel and evolving his offense around that. So to tell me that you couldn't evolve your offense around Leonard Fournette, come on, man. What, what are we really talking about here? So I do agree with you. I think it was Doug Marone's decision. I don't think that Shad Khan even has a fingerprint on this one. I don't think Dave Caldwell would actually be for letting Leonard Fournette go just for the fact that – what does it say about you as a GM then? Like this was – Yeah, that's re- another hey, thing. regardless if you want a Leonard Fournette or not, yeah, guess what? It's on your watch. You picked him on your watch. Yeah. Okay, so you're tied to him. Just yeah. like you're tied to Blake Bortles, just like you're tied to every single first-round pick here in Jacksonville. So the fact that he doesn't even finish out his contract here, to me that makes – the GM looked bad. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I've been chastising Ryan Pace and the Chicago Bears for how long now? Why? Because he can't pick a first round pick correctly. Yeah. Well, one could say the same thing now with, with Leonard Fournette leaving here. So I think this was Doug Marone's call. Once again, though, I mean. How listen, much do you have to be bothered by a guy, by the way, in a year that you need to win this is to exactly take your best offensive point. player and just cut him? This is exactly and I my mean, you, point. And, and to get to your point, and not to put words in your mouth, yeah. but I think you say this yesterday, you've been consistent with it. You're not going to have really to put words in Dave Caldwell's mouth, 53 angelic players on the roster. You have to figure out a way to make it work. That's part of your job as the coach. Yeah. And so the, basically what Marone's admitting here is that he could not figure it out. He yeah. couldn't figure out a way to make it work with Fournette. And, and, and this is the issue, right? Because if Leonard Fournette truly was a detriment to that locker room and – and the, the players were against him, and like it was just you're better off washing your hands of Leonard Fournette than keeping him on the team. Then, man, I I really got to question your vision of a football team, okay? Because I've been on plenty teams in this league uh, in the past, and I've played with tons of egos, okay? I mean, how many times have I shared a story about Travis Kelsey? 2013, Travis Kelsey gets drafted. Very first practice of the uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs in training camp. Kelsey catches a touchdown pass, kicks the ball into the end zone, and, like, stops practice. Everyone chews him out. And I remember I turned to one of my teammates and said, this guy's not going to make it two years. There's no way. Okay? Because, keep in mind, he was a quarterback out of college. He comes in cocky. It's just like, dude, this guy is not going to fit what Kansas City's trying to do here. But you know what? Andy Reid saw something in him. Andy Reid has obviously got the best out of Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends in the league. Sure, Travis Kelsey's had a couple spats here or there. He's got a couple flags, celebrations, you know, things like that. But overall, he's a captain now. So what does that say about the culture in Kansas City? When I saw a guy coming, I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to be able to last in the NFL, man. He's got the worst attitude ever. To now, he's a captain on a Super Bowl-winning team. So... I get that. Yeah, you want to get rid of the bad guys sometimes, the guys that aren't in it for to win it or stuff like that. But at the same time, you got rid of one of your best offensive weapons, if not the best offensive weapon. How can't you make it work? Yeah. I, well, listen, I I thought they should try to make it work the entire offseason instead of even trying to trade them. Yeah. Uh, I I, th- I understand you can have too many. We've had these conversations. You have too many guys that are bad apples that are just messing it up that aren't bought in that aren't team guys. And and by the way, not a team guy doesn't necessarily make you a bad guy. I, I again I, I did a, an essay on uh, TV last night on Leonard. I and I've said it countless times. He's complicated. He's got a good heart. I think he's a fun guy, man. Yeah. I mean, if he's your he's a he's fun. He's a good player. But I also think there's a selfish nature to him inside that headquarters that oozes out and rubs people the wrong way. That's the only way I can explain it. Sure. Uh, Jalen was the same on steroids, by the way, in that 
regard. Yeah. Uh, well, not steroids. I'm just saying he was not. I mean, it was that was evident. Everybody well, knew it to the point where it was almost like Jalen. When Jalen was like that, you're like, yeah, whatever. That's Jalen being Jalen. Mm-hmm. When Leonard was trying to turn the corner, go to Wyoming, be a little more mature, admitted that he had to clean things up, and he's still trying, and it's still not happening. It's almost like a little more subtle annoyance on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a whatever basis. Um, it might almost be harder to deal with because it's a constant reminder than even Jalen. Because Jalen, you just push him off over into his own corner and say, just come out and play on Sunday. <laughs> Listen, and I don't know the extent to what everybody thought about Leonard Fournette. Once again, all I have to go off of is what some guys in the locker room tell me and what my eyes tell me on the field, okay? And I think when you want to compare it to Jalen – the writing was kind of on the wall for Jalen, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Remember when he had the whole back incident? Marcel Darius kind of made a wisecrack yes. about that a little yes. bit. They were tired you know? of him. I mean, they were tired of Jalen no, Ramsey. Some folks. Some folks are tired of Jalen Ramsey. And that happens in a locker room. It's not all across the board. Yeah. Now, regardless if guys were tired of Leonard Fournette, regardless if guys thought, you know what, let's go ahead and get him out of here. Maybe it was the coaches. Maybe it was the players. But let's keep in mind right now. Let's go. Let, let's look at this roster from top to bottom on the Jacksonville Jaguars. How many guys in this roster have played on successful teams? Not that many. No. Okay. How many guys in that roster knows what it takes to win a Super Bowl? Do they have any now? Probably not. How, how many guys in that roster knows what it takes to go to the playoffs? Probably not that many. But you mean to tell me that Leonard Fournette was the problem? But you mean to tell me that Leonard Fournette's going to be the guy that's the difference between you guys going to the playoffs and not going to the playoffs? How do you know? You know, no, maybe, listen, maybe Avery Jones didn't like him. Maybe, like, see, there's a couple guys in that locker room that obviously they have tenure. They've been around it for a while. They can speak out, in my opinion, right? But when you have the youngest team in the NFL and you take out one of your most seasoned vets on the team, what are we talking about right now? But what if the seasoned vet is leading a, ba- a group of young guys to a bat to, down the bad road, man? I mean, that's what this is. Are, is, are they down a bad road? They're, Jalen Ramsey led people down a bad road. Telvin Smith uh, joined that road. There mm-hmm. were others that maybe Leonard at times that joined that road. That was a road they didn't want to go down, and too many guys started going down that road. And maybe with this young team and trying to redo this culture that has been so messed up yeah. here in Jacksonville – to try to build it, which this will be a foundation, whether Doug Marone, Dave Caldwell, whoever's still around next year or not, having that guy be the example is something that you say, it's not worth it. I'm it's just, just not worth having that guy around. Uh, I'm going to say this, man. Back in 2017, when you had all these egos, you had all these personalities, and you were winning, when I saw Jalen Ramsey come off the field from Pittsburgh and go on the Jay, it seemed like everyone was right around him. It seemed like they're all tight and close-knit and ready to win and ready to go to New England and do their thing. It seemed like everybody was all hunky-dory then. Wow. When they started losing, then you started to see it snowball a little bit. The right? words show up. Yeah, well, exactly. So I guess my point is, I get it. Maybe Leonard Fournette wasn't the best locker room guy. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey wasn't. Maybe Telvin Smith wasn't when he was on the team. That's fine. But last time I checked, when you had those guys on the field, you won some games with them. Okay? And now they're gone. So I would much rather have maybe guys that you're like, oh, I don't know, as opposed to winning games, as opposed to, you know what, we have the best bunch of guys, we're we're the best friends, we go to each other's house after practice, it's fantastic, we have dinner together, and win two games a season. Every NFL team is made up of different personalities. We're about to maybe see if that's the case. Uh, Perception versus reality. I've been told is different inside the building versus outside the building. (laughs) Uh, Also, uh, something that I was going to get to yesterday that I didn't, but I want to elaborate on. 
Do the Jags have a little bit of smartest guy in the room syndrome right now? It certainly feels that way. And it reminds me of the Gene Smith days, if I'm being honest. Uh, we'll see how it pans out. Maybe they are smarter than everybody else. I don't have a bad word to say about Gene Smith. Brent. You should. We'll <laughs> <laughs> have more of the discussion coming up on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Sorry, Coos, we went very long in that first segment. We'll be back. Brent Martineau. But we could really take this show off the rails if we wanted to go all, like, half politics, half sports. Austin Lane. I mean, have you been on Twitter lately? That's, do you, do you want a hundred thousand extra hundred thousand dollars? You want a scholarship? Let's go <laughs> politics. When we get back here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety. We were shocked about it. Um, he came in the room a couple minutes before our team meeting and let us know that he had got released. We didn't believe it. We thought he was joking because you know he laughs and jokes with us all the time and. Uh, it wasn't really until uh, Coach Marone said it in the team meeting that we really believed it. And, um, you know, it was a shocker for everybody. The mood was just different that day uh, or different yesterday at practice. But, you know, it's the NFL and we just have to rock with the decisions that's being made. That is Chris Thompson, whose carries and production probably is going up. Check your fantasy football leagues. <laughs> Check the waiver wire. Yeah. Speaking of the waiver wire, we'll see if anybody does pick up Leonard Fournette over the next little bit. Leonard Fournette waived by the Jaguars on Monday continues to be a dominant story, not only here in Jacksonville, but it's become a national story. And there's different twists and turns to the story. One about Fournette. And really, a lot of it goes back to what about the Jags? Yesterday, we said, are they tanking? Uh, and a lot of people believe they are tanking. You've been inside buildings and headquarters before, and nobody inside a, a locker room is tanking. We all know that. Uh, guys don't – they have jobs to gain and money to be earned. Uh, is it more of a front office thing to put you in position to be not so successful? Mm-hmm. I, I think almost a better question to are they tanking is are they trying to win? <laughs> and I know it sounds like the same. Yeah. But to me, there's a big difference because when you're trying to win – you're all in on trying to make the postseason, give it a run, get yourself in the dance, surprise some people. That's the way the NFL's built again. Now, year after year, you try it. You're about eight and eight. Everybody's yeah. similar. There are a few good teams, few teams that are probably going through a restructure or a rebuild of sorts. That happens in sports. But the idea is everybody's kind of right in the middle of it, or a lot of them, majority. Mm. And then you put yourself in position for a couple of things to go right, a couple of new moves in the offseason, a boom, be there. Well, that to me is the question. The Jaguars are not in that position. They're they're not. They are closer to appearing to tank than appearing to try to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, that is fact. And we said it before Fournette, before Ngakwe were gone for a long time. The ceiling of this football team is not great, mm-hmm. even with Fournette. Expectations are very low. Very low. I mean, uh, you just can't say it enough. Where else in the NFL can you win seven games and exceed expectation? And maybe exceed it by a mile. Yeah. I mean, that's reality. If Doug Marone wins seven games, I'm not saying the fan base is excited about it. Because he might be sticking around because he's exceeded expectations. That's where the expectations are at. And so I actually, I thought about that today. I'm like, okay, everybody's talking about tanking, tanking, tanking. And I don't. See, I have a hard time admitting that they're tanking when I believe a little bit in Minshew. So I'm just trying to be realistic and not try to be like, okay, now that they lost Fournette, even though Fournette was kind of a, a guy on that line for well, me. Well, listen, he, he was the barometer, I think, for everybody. He, he was going back to the draft. Yeah. And 
But now I've just I'm I'm kind of all in on Minshew being better than the national folks think, and and even with Fournette and Ngakwe, the national folks well maybe not Ngakwe, but the national folks thought two and fourteen was really where the Jags were going to sit, three and thirteen probably get the number one pick. I mean every mock draft, every analyst nationally basically has said the Jags going to have the number one pick next year. Yeah, and so. My rebuttal to that was, no, I don't think they are. I mean, I think they're going to maybe win six games. I mean, they might win seven games. I think Minch. Now, I think they got hurt yesterday. I do. But I, so that's why I kind of reevaluate that question. Be like, I don't think they're tanking because you tell me and everybody tells me players don't tank. No, right? players, players don't, don't try to lose. Not so one. they're going to try to win. Good. I do have a little belief in Minshew. I believe their offense has some players where other people don't. I believe there's a lot of people playing in contract years. But now if you rephrase the question, say, Brent. Do you think they're playing for the playoffs? Mm -hmm. Do you think they're playing because they got a chance to win? Do they feel that? Do they think that? Where every team should think that really at the beginning of the year, whether you have the most cap space or the least cap space, whether you have the most pro bowlers or not, you should believe that we're good and we're going to go win. That's the belief that every team should have. Well, I'd be lying if I said yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think their ceiling has always been maybe eight games if everything went right. I think their ceiling might have just dropped a little bit without Leonard Fournette. I don't know what he's worth. Is he worth a half a win, a win, two wins? But I think it just dropped a little bit more. And the bottom line is, if you ask me if they're tanking, I still hesitate. If you ask me, are they in position to make a playoff run, I say absolutely not. Yeah. Listen, and I can't drive this point home hard enough. No, the players in the locker room aren't tanking. And you know what? Whenever a player... Here's the words they're tanking. That's like nails on a chalkboard. I'm reminded back with Mike Malarkey's year back in, it would have been 2012. Yeah, 2012. Yep. Um, first and we only. We won two games. <laughs> yeah, first and only. We won two games that year. And obviously we heard it from the media. You saw it in the newspapers. You know, the, the, the Jaguars are horrible. They're tanking. Yeah, yeah, like we were in that locker room, Brent, having heart to heart saying, guys, if we don't pick this up, we're all going to be gone. And we might never get another chance to play in this league. So we have to win. Like we, we can't afford to lose these games because if we keep on losing these games, it doesn't matter how talented we are. Other teams may not give us another chance. And guess what? The turnover, you saw it. You saw, I mean, Avery Jones from when I played is the only player left on that team. And that's when, yeah, obviously, Gus Bradley was there too and stuff. But Avery Jones is the only player left over. Yeah. Everybody else? Gone. And much like so, you, others went somewhere else, maybe got a chance. But I would say but, three or four years later in the league, they yeah. probably weren't there. I mean, honestly, Tyson. Tyson's one, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't think I mean, of a lot of them. Mercedes. Mercedes, sure. sure. There's, there's a couple of them. There's a couple of them. But so set aside from that, though, you're – okay, let's go back in time real quick. And let's both agree on one thing. You're a better team with Clayus Campbell than not with Clayus Campbell, than with the, with the fifth-round pick or whatever you got from Absolutely. Him, okay? From – Colin Johnson's pretty good. No, yeah, he's great, man. We'll see having him. But from an on-the-field perspective to obviously a leadership perspective, yeah. you're a better team. You were a better team with A.J. Boye on the team than maybe a fourth-round pick. Now, we'll, we'll Without see, question. We'll, we'll see who you get for that fourth-round pick. We'll see how it pans out. But this year, yada, yada. But are this you better year, or worse? You're worse. You're worse, right? You are a better team if Yannick Ngakwe chose to play or play a couple games than you are without him this year. You would have been a better team if Leonard Fournette was on the team this year as opposed to just releasing him. That's fact, man. All right, I'm not take the scheme out of it. That's just fact. So I just gave you four circumstances that you guys, the Jaguars, made where they said, you know what, we're okay with losing these guys. So that goes to tell me that there's another plan in place. There has to be. 
That, that's the only way you can judge. I hope that's the case. Because if you're just kind of flying by the city of your pants right now saying, ah, hey, get rid of him, get rid of him, with no plan, then what are we talking about right now? So me, where I go, you know, knowing the game of football a little bit is the fact that there had to be a plan in place, even with the Clayus Campbell stuff, even with the A.J. Boye stuff, obviously with the Yannick Ngakwe stuff, and now with the Leonard Fournette stuff. Now, what that plan is, is it Trevor? I, I don't know, okay? I, I'm not going to speculate that. But all I'm saying is there's definitely a plan in place, and that plan isn't to necessarily win ball games. That plan's not to go win a division. That plan is not to go to the playoffs or win a Super Bowl this year. That plan is something else. So if the plan isn't to win ball games, I'm sorry, man. It has all the characteristics. It has all the symptoms of tanking, and it's as simple as that. You just great, great illustration there, right? Because what I'm thinking of as you're talking about it, Calais, AJ, Jan, and and uh, Leonard. Leonard. All right. Yeah. What I'm thinking is, okay, that's. I just did the math in my head real quick, and it's give or take $55 million, mm-hmm. okay? So what what are the Jags doing? Well, they saved $55 million, and they also got one, two, three, four draft picks in return. Sure. Three of the players, one they just let go. So that's what that is, uh, is that what, what I would say is those four players, how many wins are they worth? How much better are you with them? I'm assuming those are the questions they ask themselves. Mm-hmm. Is it worth saving $55 million and trying to flip this roster a little bit at those positions? Is it worth getting more draft picks and, and, and capital in that sense to rather than getting two more wins or two and a half wins? See, or You just don't know what they put on it. But yeah. how many more wins? How much more... From a culture standpoint, a whatever standpoint, inside that building, are those four guys worth? And what they chose are basically it's worth having the $55 million yeah. and four draft picks moving forward as we flip this thing than for those four guys. I mean, that's plain and no, simple. They chose sure. that. Well, and once again, though. And I, I don't just, know if they're right, but they chose well, that. No, they did, choose, they, they did choose that. And once again, I just try to make the point of it's not only what you're getting on the field with those guys, but it's the veteran experience, it's the leadership that you're getting off the field as well. That if you're trying to do a turnover here, if you're trying to go to a new direction, you need those guys to bridge everybody else. We saw it with Gus Bradley. So then here's my point right now, Brent. If this is all the case right now, right, and we're talking about, well, you let go of A.J. Boy, you let go of Leonard Fournette, you let go of, well, you trade Yannick Ngakwe, and you traded Clayus Campbell. Here's where I sit on it, and this is where we disagree. I think the job security of Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone has to be somewhat safe. Because in order to make all those moves, you have to have it in the back of your mind saying, well, you know what? If we want to get rid of all this veteran experience and we want to start brand new, we want to peel the Band-Aid off and start brand new again, you have to have some kind of job security to do that, right? Because if you're trying to play for your job right now, if you're trying to compete for a job and win ball games, how can you justify cutting all those guys or letting those guys go or trading those guys away and starting brand new with a brand new roster and it's supposed to be your quote-unquote like year to prove if you're going to be part of the job in the next couple of years or so. Like To me, it's hard to justify that. Now, you think that you're setting the table for the next regime to come in, and that's where we disagree as well. But I'm just saying, if I'm Doug Marone right now, if I'm Dave Caldwell, and I'm supposedly fighting for my job, and this is the year to see if I can keep it or not, the moves that you made show you're planning for the future. How can you get by with planning for the future if you're supposed to win right now to keep your job? Yeah, the only other thing I, I say, and Sean's online, we're going to get to him in just a moment, but the only thing I would say to that, and I've thought a lot about this, yeah. and I just think the way they pivoted, if you say to your boss, hey, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to be around for this, but this is the right thing to do for the organization. This is We're not close enough to winning. 
we have to do this and this and clear some space and get some picks and get younger people in here. And this is best for you, the owner, mm-hmm. and whoever's in here. We hope we're a part of it. We're going to try to win as many games to save our job and make it look like we're on the right track. But this is the best thing to do for the organization. I don't know if you buy some equity with the owner by doing the right thing for the organization. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what they did. Maybe they're at, Maybe it's a Hail Mary on their part to say, hey, it's just what I said. We might not be around, but this is the best thing to do the organization. And if we are around, it's the best thing for our future, too, because we show we think this is the way to get back mm-hmm. to be where we're supposed to be. It's not to try to string this along and squeeze every ounce and every play out of Calais Campbell and A.J. Boye at their age or at their price tag. Uh, I'm not trying to, by the way, say they're admirable for doing it, but they could try to play that way. And, and kind of win over the owner that way by saying, we think this is the best advice we can give you. This is the way to do it, even though it's not best for us. Yeah. That could go a long way. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. Sean's on the line. Let's get to him. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's up, man? How you guys doing today, man? Good. So, Brent, what you, you were saying something earlier in the show. You said that perception versus reality. I, my, thing, my question to you guys is, with Perception being that Tom Coughlin was this hard-nosed cancer that was in the locker room in the front office. Maybe with when you brought the analogy with Andy Reid, maybe Tom Coughlin was the Andy Reid in the locker room that could handle those personalities. Doug Marone came from a college background in Syracuse. He wants to build character and build guys, and the guys he has in the locker room now are those building type of characters. He probably couldn't handle the Tom Coughlin type of guys who Tom Coughlin, he's a hard nose five minutes, you know, before the hour you're on time type mm-hmm. of guy. So maybe he does wrong. Didn't, couldn't handle those type of players versus the players he has now. Do you guys believe that? I'm just, that's my question. Sean, it's, it's a, a great point, point, man. It's a really good point. Good uh, thanks for jumping in on action sports shacks on ESPN 690. And I think that's a, it's what's great about that point is to go back and remember how this thing was built. This was Tom Coughlin's team in 2017. And quite frankly, it was Tom Coughlin's team in 2018. By 2019, we saw this separation between Doug Marone and, and Tom Coughlin and Doug kind of saying, I'm doing, I'm tired of dealing with this stuff or whatever, but I'm doing it my way. And we had the soft camp and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was the part of the separation from Tom, uh, if you will. But I think Sean brings up a good point. Tom picked Doug Marone because they, they feel like they're cut from the same cloth. Or at least their pedigree was that way. Yeah. But well, maybe it, they're not. Yeah. And maybe they weren't. And he's got a point of saying, hey, it doesn't matter who we got in here. My job, Tom Coughlin, whether it was in New York or here in Jacksonville at the time, uh, and my first stint was to manage the egos, stuff sure. that you talk about. Control Does, I'll, I'll make sure if they're good players, I'll manage those freaking guys. Yeah. Right? That's what Tom Coughlin's going to say. And by the way, I'm going to get him to do what I want him to do because I'm the boss and I've got a, two Super Bowl rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Doug Marone might not have that. True. Doug Marone couldn't maybe say that. What's Doug Marone got to build on? The time in Buffalo? Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Things that were written in Buffalo. And then so great in Buffalo. Well, so he doesn't have that cachet. That's a great point by Sean to say, hey, these aren't my guys. I'm tired of playing with your guys, and I'm bringing in my guys. Yeah. Especially if I'm going to fall off the sword here. So, listen, to fall me. on the sword. Yeah. The, the, the biggest transition, and the, the caller made a great point. So the biggest transition from college to the pros in terms of coaching, in college you're still shaping young men. Right, like you, you, yeah, you're coaching football, but you're teaching them about life, all this stuff, and and you, you're trying to shape them to be better people. 
by the time you get to the, the pros and the NFL and you're a head coach, you shouldn't be shaping anybody. No. Okay? Like, you're dealing with a bunch of grown men. Okay? So the last thing you want to do is to, like, try to shape somebody in your image what you want. Like, to me, the job of an NFL coach is to take all those personalities, to take all those backgrounds, all those upbringings, all those different belief systems, and just make sure they're focused at the, at the same task at hand. And win. And win. Obviously, winning is the most important thing. And where I think Tom Coughlin went wrong was that he tried to rule with an iron fist. Now, obviously, that worked in the early 2000s. It worked in the 90s. doesn't work today. We, we always talk about the modern-era NFL player. just doesn't work because the modern-era NFL player is going to always ask why, 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 why. Yeah. They're not going to be a good soldier. They're going to question anything that you do. So it's hard to rule with that iron fist. On the other side of the spectrum, though, you can't have it where it's like, all right, well, I want you guys to be like this. I want you to change. You can't do that either. Like, you have to understand that there's going to be different egos, different personalities, and you just got to deal with it. And you, you have to build the culture where everybody can express themselves and be who they are. Because once again, I can't repeat myself too much here, but every single team that I've been on had some of those rough around that just guys. Yeah. All right? Every team that I was on had some of those guys who was just kind of like, man, I, I wouldn't hang out with him, you know. But you know what? You make it work, though. Yeah, and I, I'm convinced you need some of those. You need some of those guys. Because usually those are the ultra-talented guys, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. Right? Yep. And there's a reason you're putting up with them. Yep. So, prime example, Pete Carroll, Andy Reid. Two guys who don't necessarily rule with an iron fist, I don't think, but understand that different players have different egos, different players have different personalities, but they find great ways to make them play together. That's what it's all about. Well said. A really good call, Sean. Appreciate the time uh, here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're going to get into Florida State names James Blackman, the quarterback. Also, some good news coming out of some of the college campuses in terms of COVID-19. And could the Big Ten start? I want to get into that. I have one more thought, though, because Sean brought up perception versus reality. And what's really interesting is there's two different ways to look at this, inside the building and outside the building. Mm-hmm. And that's next on ESPN 690.